Hey, TSR family. Um, I'm here joined with uh, Eric, Dan, and Audrey. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Hey. It's an it's an unprecedented uh, unprecedented TSR sort of collective because we're in an unprecedented time. Um, we are all following the events that are going on around social injustice, and we want to, as a podcast group, want to talk about it with you, the listener. Um, and if I, if you don't mind guys, I kind of want to start. So, um, I've always considered myself somewhat, uh, I've, I've never considered myself a racist, right? You know, I, we don't see color. We tell our kids, you know, that doesn't matter what anybody looks like. We're all the same. Right. And then after all of this, I started to, to pay attention and start to learn. And I actually took an implicit bias test and found I failed miserably. And it woke me up to a, a larger story that sort of I don't get affected by, right? So I started to read, I started to learn, I started to understand that there is a systematic problem, systemic problem in our society, and we all need to listen. We all need to watch and pay attention and learn because there's a lot to learn. And I'm angry. And if I'm angry as an unaffected white person, I can only imagine who, how people who are affected and have been affected and their ancestors and family are affected every day for hundreds of years. I can only imagine what they are dealing with. So uh, Dan, Eric, and Audrey, I just kind of want to get your your feedback and perspective. Totally. <clears throat> I'm in the same shoes. I recognize completely my privilege growing up with my family the way it is. And in the last uh, few months, it's just, it's something that we all have to like really dig in and listen to and I know I have a lot of hard work to put in, in learning and speaking and just affecting change. Right. And what's a way we can affect change? Dan, do you have any ideas what we can do? Uh, I have uh, starting points at the very minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you my own experience has been until very recently in the past few years struggling with the idea of privilege mm-hmm. um i am now very sure that um i am very privileged as a white man um you know i had this I, first of all I, I i can restate everything that you both just said but, but there's really i'm 100 on the same page with that stuff um I had an interesting feeling today where I noticed that I was just feeling very exhausted. Um, and I stopped and I thought, well, if I'm exhausted, what must it be like to live this experience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming more and more clear to me that we are just going to all have to be exhausted until until this changes right uh eric what do you think yeah i'm 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 definitely in the same boat uh, it's it's one of those those interesting things where um early on when the most recent protests began um i i found myself um 
really just thinking back and like a lot of us have, and you know, I, I have in my, my other, my other job life, I have, um, I, I have a lot of employees who report to me and suddenly I was concerned in a whole different way. Like, you know, I don't, I don't have any children. I don't understand um, that perspective, but to, to suddenly be aware that there's a danger to my friends who are black and my Mm -hmm. employees who are black that I had never considered before. Um, And I'm really happy that my, uh, my organization uh, just a few months ago um, opened up a new office of, uh, of diversity and inclusion. Uh, We've been making a big push over the last few years to talk about uh, transgender politics and transgender health issues um, that sort of thing. And suddenly this, this new division opened up and um, my, my main contact at HR is, is sort of in charge of that project. So she was talking to us about it uh, while it was in the, the infancy stages. And um, I, I was really happy that suddenly I had these resources to turn to, to, to learn, uh, you know, we've all been trying to struggle and, you know, not trying to overburden our, um, our, our friends who are black to say, Hey, what should we do? Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I keep hearing that that's, you know, okay, that's great. But you know, I, we, we need to find our own way to, to learn about our, our, our way to respond to this situation. And, um, I, I was really happy to have some of these resources. I've been, you know, I, I haven't, I know Jimmy, you were talking about reading books. I haven't sat down and read any books yet, but I've been devouring, um, current webinars with with black leaders in healthcare and um, going through a lot of other resources that this this new office put together for for employees who work in in healthcare uh, to understand some of these these issues that that our patients and our our communities face and uh, it's been really difficult and eye opening but it it feels so essential right now mm-hmm. um, yeah to make that effort because I, I haven't yeah. before. It is difficult. And, and it's, it's something that we have to accept. We have to accept it. And if you're listening to this and you're shaking your head or you've maybe turned it off or you don't agree, it's real. It is 100% real. There is a problem and we may all disagree on how we solve the problem, but we need to acknowledge first that there is a problem and that innocent people are affected. And there are things that have been done to keep and oppress a people, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters down. And, and it's just, it's, it, it's got to stop somehow. Right. So, you know, I, I want to talk about like social media, like we see all kinds of things on social media and we've all been guilty of posting something that we just are outraged by to find out later that wasn't true. So before you do anything, before you post, before you forward or, or whatever, like do your research, find out what's real because there are multiple platforms that report multiple things and find out what's true. And if whatever you believe, you believe, but understand if you're listening to this and thinking that it's not really that big of a deal or it doesn't affect me or whatever, it may not affect you, but it affects somebody that you know, and it affects somebody you care about. So do the work, do the research. And I wanted to read a a text from, from a, a black friend of mine. Cause I asked, just like Eric was saying, I was like, what do I do? How do I handle this? And and I was like, I, I just feel like such an asshole for not really understanding that there's a big problem out there because it doesn't impact me, right? It doesn't affect my children. And his response was, don't feel like an asshole. You're good and you can be an advocate. But know that while we need white Americans to come around and listen, 
accept the problem and change. It's not exactly your fight. So when it comes to fighting, if you want to be an advocate, try and take our cues and let us lead. You can fight. We want you to fight. We need you to fight. But be mindful that even when being an ally, it's not your fight. So listen. The, yeah, I've been thinking, you know, we have, we're sitting here making statements on our mics and like, I, I feel this, this guilt that I'm not, you know, I, my voice shouldn't be heard in this. It's somebody else. It's someone black Mm -hmm. who has these experiences. I don't experience this. So I don't think I'm contributing much. I do want to listen. That's my two cents. Any closing thoughts, Dan? We are addressing this, I think, a little bit later than some people. And I can tell you that that, um, as the person who posts a lot of these things on our our site, when I posted our previous episode, I, I, I felt a lacking of this here. And um, I'm glad that we are finally doing this finally saying something um i should have initiated it sooner i should have listened to that feeling but we're doing it now and and um silence is not silence anymore and that's why right that's why this needs to happen yes eric any closing thoughts uh just that you know this is this is an opportunity for for all of us to to learn to make our voices heard, to speak out about those things that you believe in. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I feel for Dan when he said, I, when, when he says he wishes he had spoken up to us sooner, it, you know, I, I, I appreciate that, but, uh, you know, we're, 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 yeah, we, we, we all feel this. And I think that's the reason why we wanted to get together mm-hmm. and talk about this mm-hmm. in more than just a, a quick generic statement. We wanted to, have a discussion. Right. And to Audrey's point, you know, us four white people talking about this is maybe lip service, but I I think that change is hard. Think about anything that you need to change in your life. If it's, you know, weight loss, you need to work at it. You need to eat right. You need to exercise and it's hard. And by the way, when you stop eating well and exercising, you gain weight, right? In general. So we have to keep working at it. We can't it's a, let. T- yeah, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. Absolutely. And until you see that true change, and it's a lifestyle change, it's not a diet, right? Mm-hmm. And so we need to keep fighting. We need to keep listening. We need to keep learning. And we need to keep fighting. It's hard. It's change is difficult. But we can and we will continue to fight and not make tomorrow's headlines or yesterday's headlines die with tomorrow's, right? We need to keep at this. So we as a group are committed to change. We will continue to do our part and do all we can to help make true change. So with that, um, unless anybody has anything else to add. Black lives matter. Black lives, Black matter. lives matter. It's true. 100%. Guys, be good to each other. We're all people. We're all humans. Good, bad, or indifferent. We need to be good to each other. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Hey, TSR friends. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, I've got Eric here with me. 
Hi, Eric. Hey, how you doing? Good. It, the news is changing. Like every morning is a different announcement with relate to the parks, both Universal and Disney. And I wanted to give you a couple minutes to give us the latest and greatest as of June 15th. What do you got? Okay. Well, uh, we have the same the same news from the East Coast at Walt Disney World. Uh, the theme parks are still going to open on July 11th. Uh, the well, the, the initial two, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom parks, will open on July 11th. Epcot and Hollywood Studios will open on July 15th. Uh, we expect to see the resorts opening up on June 22nd, and that's going to start out again with uh, Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground and uh, most of the vacation club properties. So uh, what, what Disney has been allowing people to do when they've, been, when they've had their vacations canceled, uh, they're allowing them to rebook during, starting with that time period, including that period after July 11th. They haven't opened up any additional uh, reservation periods after that point. So if you're looking to get in, uh, we still don't know how the re- ticket reservation system is going to go, but we can expect that the people who already had their vacations booked will be allowed to get into the parks. Uh, but uh, when it comes to annual pass holders, people who want to get a vacation during that time period who haven't booked anything yet, we're still not sure when they're going to open that up or how that reservation system is going to work. Uh, okay. we, and we have a similar system going on on the east uh, west coast now. Uh, so last week... Uh, the Disneyland reopening plans were revealed. So on July 9th, Downtown Disney will open up, just like we had Disney Springs open up in uh, Disney World. Um, hey, I'll be in Southern California July 9th. Oh, well. I'll do some boots-on-the-ground reporting for the show. Okay, sounds good. Can we get a, a live broadcast from there? Ooh, live feed, yeah. Yeah, all right. We'll figure it out. Uh, the... Uh, Park the the two parks are both going to open on July seventeenth. Similar situation. No word yet on how it's going to work for annual pass holders. People who've had to rebook their vacations are are going to are most likely going to get in, but we don't know about purchasing new tickets. The um, hotels aren't going to open up right away. They're um, they're going to open up another week later. So the uh, Grand Californian Hotel and Paradise Pier will open on July 23rd, not the Disneyland Hotel. No word on that yet. Um, now, from what I've heard from some some insiders, the, the main thing that they're doing is focusing on clen- cleaning in the parks. And the hotel staff have essentially been redeployed to work in the parks on both coasts to help ensure the, the uh, you know, good clean state for, for all the guests who are coming in. Uh, so... They're they're kind of operating at reduced capacity when it comes to the hotels. So obviously they're not going to pack in every single room in the hotels, and they're not opening all of the hotels. So that leaves a lot more cast members to come back in, continue working, continue making the place safe for guests to come in. I have questions. Great. Um, okay, so I can book a re- I can call a concierge today and book concierge today and book a vacation. Correct. For the for the resorts for the hotels, you cannot. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, um, but uh, yeah, at this time, uh, Disney is not accepting any new reservations. Right? Yeah, you said that. It's just if you had a reservation, you can change it starting in, in late June, or in Disneyland's case, in July. Right. 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 So at that point, so right now, it's just the people who had reservations already, 
And those people who have reservations at hotels, you may have said this, but are they guaranteed access to the parks once the reservation system opens or would they be the first? We're thinking yes. Um, I, I don't know that I've seen that for certain, but uh, that that seems pretty fair in in Disney's case where they're if if you're allowed to go into a, a hotel, you know if you're allowed to get your your room at at the Riviera um, at Disney World that you should be able to get tickets at that same time. Um, that's probably right. part of the reason they haven't released specifics on how reservations are going to work for other people, uh, for people who want to book new tickets or, or annual pass holders, is because they're waiting to get everybody else rebooked and see how many people are going to be allowed into the parks on a s- certain date. Okay. Uh, and the NBA is f- finishing their season at Disney World, and they're, of course, staying at, at the resorts. And so those resorts will be off get off limits and won't be accepting reservations. I think that includes the Swan and Dolphin mm-hmm. who are closed to the public. But if you have a reservation there, you'll probably get relocated. And typically if you get relocated from a resort where a basketball or, or a soccer team is staying that they in, in many cases may upgrade you. Like maybe you'll be at the Bay Lake tower or something. Well, yeah, definitely. It, since they're moving everybody to uh, vacation club resorts, there are a lot uh, most of the rooms at those resorts, as as you know, they, they're they're a little bit a uh, little bit bigger. Um, if you're just going to that area, they don't have a, a, a standard room. The smallest rooms are studio size, uh, which right. gets you a little, you know, it gets you a fridge, it gets you a coffee maker, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. There's some nice amenities there. Yeah, the uh, and then dining reservations will be limited uh, spaces and you know social distancing. Uh, the club lounges are no longer are not operating at this time. Um, the hotel, the, the uh, you you're encouraged to do virtual check in once you have a reservation. There will be people in the lobby, but there'll be social distancing and masks. But they encourage you to do your reservation on excuse me your check in online on the app. And then because, you know, if you're staying there, you may have a magic band. You can use your magic band to open the door. Once you go in, every room has been sanitized, including high touch points like remote controls that'll be put in, that'll be sanitized and put in sealed bags to indicate that uh, it hasn't been touched by anybody. Right. Um, So they're doing a lot of extra, extra cleaning measures and that kind of thing, right? Oh yeah. They're, they're really trying to, uh, to show the public that they're, they're doing their absolute best to make you feel comfortable, to make you feel safe. Um, really, they can say all day that they're cleaning these things, but uh, unless you walk in and you see a difference from what you normally expect in a hotel room, um, you're, you can still leave some doubt in your mind. So it, it's good to see that they're taking some extra steps to make sure that you know that this place has been cleaned. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this in, in their areas, assuming that, that some of your some of your facilities have started to open back up, you know, restaurants mm-hmm. with limited seating. I know in our area, mm-hmm. if you, if you walk into one of these restaurants that are open, they have specific tables that are wiped down or they'll have a flag on the table. that says, no, you can't sit here. This, this right. hasn't been sanitized yet. That sort of thing. Yeah. I live in Georgia, which is one of the first, the first state to really open right in any kind of phase. And nowadays, I mean, playgrounds are open and restaurants are open movie theaters i think are opening soon if not already i mean they are allowed to open but um i mean for us it's interesting sort of this lulled uh, sense of um uh, in false security you know like we wear masks everywhere we go 
when we go, we don't dine in. We typically take out. But I mean, I've been to the gym three times this week and, you know, they take your temperature and they wipe. They're just there's a team of people who are walking up and down the aisles, wiping everything down. Everything is distanced. And then they give you a spray bottle and they encourage you to spray down before and after you use. So I think the gym's never been cleaner, at least the one I, <laughs> I go <bet>. to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's interesting for, for me as I watch the curve nationally and I watch the curve in Georgia, we've kind of flattened, but I'm looking at California and Florida and they are spiking. Like they are on the rise and have been on the rise. And I'm looking at that curve going, yeah, now's the time to open, <laughs> right? I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, July's a long way off, but still, um, it's it, there's there's some cause for concern, definitely. Right. But I think the point is that Disney can be trusted. Uh, you, They will take all the precautions they can. It's up to you, the individual who may or may not go, to take all of your precautions and take it seriously. And I read something recently that said, just assume that everybody has it, and that will change your behavior. Yeah, definitely. That's I mean, that's part of the the thought process behind masks. You're not only assuming everybody has it, but you're assuming that you have it because exactly. everyone else assumes you have it. So let's just all take precautions. Let's be careful. Uh, this disease isn't going away. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly not not at this point. So let's let's keep keep things safe. Let's c- try to get some some economic upturn happening and and try to get some sense of normalcy around here. But you still need to be cautious for sure. Yep, indeed. And we'll keep uh, updating you as new shows uh, release. We will, because we're recording these episodes, we've, they've been recorded for a while. So we want to do these little additional bumpers to keep you up with the latest if you're if you're not already aware of things. And, and you can either tune in right here on the 5th, the 15th, and the 25th of every month for a new episode of either the Supreme Resort or Cash Grab. Uh, and the Supreme Resort co-hosted by our very own Eric from Concierge. Eric, anything else from Concierge? Uh, well, even though we can't necessarily take care of all of your, your needs at the moment regarding the parks, we are still w- ready and willing and able to talk to you about your vacation plans. Uh, a lot of people are looking at 2021. In particular, mm. uh, if you're interested in spreading out and trying some of the uh, Adventures by Disney packages, Disney is allowing uh, bookings in there starting in 2021, and they're offering some pretty big discounts um, up to $750 off per person on some of these mm. adventures. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's 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 pretty steep. They generally don't discount these adventures. Uh, if you haven't looked at Adventures by Disney before, it's really amazing. And I we were actually planning on doing something this October until uh, the world changed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to put that off for a bit. But there are a lot of really great adventures around the world, in this country even. Um, if you're really interested in this topic, please give us a call. We're We're here to talk to you about it. Um, not to put too much of a you know fire under you, but the these discounts go away after August thirty first. Yeah, I'm absolutely. My wife and I have looked at it forever, and and with that kind of a discount, we we absolutely will look at it. And uh, can I? So can I work with concierge on that Adventures by Disney? Absolutely, great. We I will call you after this. <laughs> to talk okay, to you about it. All right, and then um, Universal. Can I book my trip to Universal through concierge? You certainly can. Can I do that today? Yes, uni- well, Universal is Universal Orlando is completely open. I, I suppose they're operating at re- reduced capacity, but you can today call and we can help you get your your package uh, booked over there too. Awesome, thank you. And don't forget about Gator World. Oh yes, we you know we wouldn't want Dan to be upset. 
All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking extra time. And uh, folks, the episode you're about to listen to is Eric's uh, official first co-hosting official season two episode. Is that right, Eric? That is correct. So what you're going to listen to was recorded a while ago. It's a little unorthodox, so, you know, give Eric a break. He's a very entertaining guy. But uh, this one we kind of... The it, it's so one of the biggest questions about Disneyland and Disney World, which is better, is size, right? So this episode kind of resets the stage for talking about size, and I think we kind of get to a couple of places where we we figure out where size really matters or where it doesn't matter, right? Uh, for example, a uh, size of a resort, you can be f- at Space Mountain, and then ten minutes later you can be on Soren. Uh, versus Disney World, that if you wanted to go to Space Mountain and Soarin', it would take you minimum an hour. <laughs> and right. So, um, so there's 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 good and bad. But anyway, uh, this is a shorter episode, so uh, that's why we've tacked on all this extra content. So, uh, but anyway, enjoy, be good to each other, and uh, thanks, Eric. Thank you. See you soon. All right. Bye, everybody. Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and which is the Supreme Resort. We will argue the merits of every facet of each resort until we decide which is better. Each episode, we will discuss and compare a ride, show, attraction, hotel, or experience, and its counterpart from each coast, and decide a winner for each episode. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1. It's a little bit of a mix-up here. My name is Jimmy. I am your host for this journey, and with me to debate the case is Eric from Concierge. Hey, Eric. Hey, hey. Hey. And Dan from Dan Hates the Beatles. I am Dan. I hate the Beatles, but I love discussing things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so uh, it's a new show. It's a new season. Eric is our official third host for the foreseeable future, I I hope. Um, So we're going to be taking this journey together. How do you feel about that, Eric? I kind of feel like this is a little premature in the in the relationship for me to be uh, signing on permanently to something. Oh, we'll wow. See. We'll see how it goes. I mean, come on. Why not? Yeah. We'll try it out. I've already been rejected by concierge. Now I'm getting rejected by Eric on his first show. Jeez. Do you want a job in uh, as a travel planner right now? <laughs> Touche. Uh Speaking of transitions, um, I'd like to talk about our official travel partner, Concierge. Eric, do you want to tell us about what they do? Uh, yes. Uh, Concierge is is here to help you and your family build your dream vacation. It's it's a little tricky these days, but we're we're still here to to plan further out. Um, we've got plenty of vacations that are that are getting booked up, you know, months in advance, and it's really never too soon to start talking to our travel planners to uh, to tell us what you want. Uh, you know, our travel planners are here to get on the phone with you. We actually take time to talk to you, understand what you want to do, what you've done before, what you haven't done before, your goals. We want to get to know you and try to recommend the best vacation for you. So yeah. reach out to us and we'll take some time. Great. And as of this point, you know, 
we're in a moment in time where the parks are not open and but currently they're booking after june 1st is that correct yes yes they what are. is your what is your heart of hearts telling you that it's going to actually be I am not all that confident about yeah. those vacations in June. We've been pushing back. The, the cruises are, are all pushed back. Uh, Adventures by Disney is pushing back. Um, the East Coast, I think they're reassessing very soon. West Coast, I wouldn't count on it. Right. California seems like they're, they're, they're turtled for the, the long haul here. Right. Okay. I feel like a metric is if schools are closed, then Disney parks mm-hmm. should definitely be closed. <laughs> yeah. For the same reason. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. It's a, we're all in it together. And this is again, a moment in time. So if you're finding this show in 2023, this is what we were thinking about in May of 2020. Um, and, uh, cover yours also Patreon. You can support us. You can give us just a couple dollars a month and it really helps out a lot. You get access to all kinds of stuff like very annual pass holders mm-hmm. where Dan and I's true selves come out and we can talk about how to be a very annual pass holder right. and how to truly enjoy the parks it's so educational it is um yes we've asked uh, eric to uh join us in the behind the scenes where our corporate overlord jason (laughs) we've said enough here we'll we'll save it for the show (laughs) yeah save it for the show Okay, so today's episode, everybody, this probably be a little bit of a a departure from what we've been doing. You know, we've recorded quite a few episodes and released, you know, arguing back and forth between a couple of things. And, And the one thing, the one main difference between Disneyland and Disney World is size, right? And it's sort of the elephant in the room because, you know, as Dan famously likes to say, it's not Disney, it's not whatever's fault for being the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not Disneyland's fault for being smaller, just like it's not Disney World's fault for being bigger. So what we'd want to do is is have a discussion about size and when size or the argument for size deserves a point. I'll give you an example. The Animal Kingdom, the Kilimanjaro Safaris attraction, this is a ride, you could fit all of Disneyland, including the expansion and backstage areas, into that ride. There's a, so much space, right? And inside the Animal Kingdom theme park, you could fit the entire Disneyland resort inside that one theme park. So it, just to give you an idea of scale, right? Well, I think in the case of the safari, because it is the ride that it is and it's doing what it does, you know, lots of animals, lots of space, that stuff, it makes perfect sense. And if it was mm-hmm. anything but something like that then it would be kind of questionable to be like you did all this for a tilt a whirl <laughs> you know <laughs> right well for sure well, exactly. and, and if, yeah yeah so if we were to say let's say we'll we'll have an episode on the second gate which is epcot versus uh california adventure and the point is we can't say epcot's better because it's bigger mm-hmm. right but we can say that california adventure does a better job at using the space that it has versus Epcot, where the Odyssey restaurant up until recently is just a, a thing. That's just there's so much space that you can have an attraction or a building that just sits empty. Yeah. And it's fine because it's like, well, just go do that other thing, right? <laughs> and you know, like a, a an attraction like Journey into Your Imagination, the current iteration of that ride, does not exist at Disneyland Resort because it's not good enough. So it'll be plussed up, it'll be done, you know, something will be done with it, right? So that's kind of the framework for this conversation, right? Well, then going back to California Adventure, I mean if we're gonna get into specifics yet, but I, I think an argument against its use of size is the golden zephyr. That thing should, mm. should not be there. It's like, right. I haven't even ridden it because I can look at it and go, 
I know exactly what that's going to be like. Or when they had right. the Bugs Land. It's like, this mm-hmm. is stupid. Like, <laughs> I know there's some people, some people have affection for certain parts of it. And that's not to, like, dismiss that. It's just to say that, like... Well, yeah, it had a great bathroom. I oh, mean, it was a fantastic sure. background. And those large. fountains, my goodness. No, bathroom. Bathroom. Yeah. He said bathroom. So, yeah, um, no, but yeah. I'm, in, fountains. Yeah. I'm not getting this? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so today's episode, Does Size Matter? You know, Disney Disney files often note that all sizes kind of matter, yet we'll investigate for everyone. All right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Eric and Dan, we've all had done some work and we have some thoughts. So what I'd like to do is kind of go back and forth and uh, have a conversation about when size matters and why. So Eric, I'll let you start. Oh, great. Well... I'm just going to dive into a fairly a, a fairly large issue. It, kind of going off of what you you said earlier, Jimmy. So, look at look at something like Hollywood Studios. You can make the same case mm-hmm. on on both sides for Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. It's not the biggest park at Walt Disney World. It's not the smallest. Uh, it covers more ground than the Magic Kingdom itself does. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Studios are 135 acres. Magic Kingdom is 107 acres. Wow. That's crazy. Well, that's, right. Well, and that's, that's one of those things. When the park opened up, it was mostly a tram tour. Oh, good point. Yeah. Well, and then now we have Galaxy's Edge, which is... Did that, did that add to the footprint or no? No, it's all within the footprint. Okay. So that's one of those things. My argument that size, is, is a, it, size does matter, it's a good thing, is as the tram tour became less and less relevant over time... They started nibbling away at it, taking chunks out. So in the early days, it most of the the, the acreage was this tram tour. Uh, you know, the Studio Backlot tour was supposed to be this Universal Studios style tram tour and a walking tour. It took hours. Mm-hmm. It was half of your day. It did. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yep. I remember doing that. Yeah, it was it was great at the time. We had there were long lines for it. It made sense. You you that's what you wanted to do. That's what you went there for. But as excitement started to wane, the, the park started sort of nipping away at it. Um, the, the big area uh, allowed Disney to scale down the attraction, and every time they did, they could bring in other areas. So after a short time, the, the New York Street set piece mm-hmm. sort of area where you couldn't, you couldn't walk on that at first. You just rode by it, and you, they explained, this is forced perspective, right. people. We'll show you a movie with <laughs> Ben Midler here yeah. soon. And that... Yeah, and that's where the Ozzy Osbourne lights yes, were. Yes, Ozzy Osbourne's <laughs> Christmas lights were there. Every night he was oh, there plugging them every in. Every night. Uh, <laughs> they had to take them down every day. Sharon, and put them, uh, so the <laughs> while we're on the subject of the tour, you could see the Golden Girls yes. house. Yeah. You could see the plane that Walt Disney flew over the, the land to see, like Mickey One, I think was the name of it. Right, yes, it's a private jet. You could see the wardrobe department. Yeah. Yeah, you could see the flight of the navigator ship. Oh yeah, which by the way has been repurposed and is now in Tomorrowland as uh, I think Stitch's ship mm. over a, a fountain drink station or that. something. Hmm. Yeah. Oh well, well, I'm recalling it for you. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, go yeah. ahead, keep going. So it, it, it's that's that idea. There was this residential area where they had a bunch of houses that looked like the fronts of houses for shows. So they. 
literally recreated some of these homes. And uh, if you wanted to film the opening to Empty Nest, you just walked over there and you you, you filmed it. So they, they had all these spaces, but they, they kept taking chunks out because they needed more space. So you need a, uh, a new stunt spectacular. Uh, Lights, motors, action came into part of that area. Lights, um, motors, action. I, I never saw that. Hey, I saw it once. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Does that tell you anything? It does. Now, something I have seen many more times than once is uh, is the Muppets show. Um, so Muppets uh, mm. Muppets 3D, they, they set up an entire Muppets sort of area in a corner. That, was, that used to be more part of the tram tour. Mm-hmm. So a- as they keep adding in things, they're taking away chunks of the old tram tour area. It was kind of like the giving tree, but probably not as sad. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. For sure. So what's... The point is... If you have a whole bunch of space and you use it well, you can say, you know what, this attraction that we don't like as much anymore, we can, we can decrease it over time. Uh, we can take away portions, keep the tram tour, until finally we say, you know what, we need this space for Toy Story Land. Goodbye, tram tour. A bunch of people right. rode you, and now you are no longer needed in this space, I, I guess. But it's, mm-hmm. it's good use of the space. They, they keep that attraction going for the fans who still want some of that or maybe a little bit of a nostalgic look at it, but then they can use that space for more progress. I feel like also, though, keeping that studio tour, I don't know how feasible this would have been, but keeping that would have solved the, if it is a problem, the problem of that park being like a half-day park. I don't know if that's necessarily the case right. now that Galaxy's Edge is open, but I mean, it was for a significant amount of time. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, I remember people talking about it. It's just like, oh, you know, go see the Hollywood studios and, and, you know, after lunch leave. You know, if you have, if you have mm-hmm. that, like, that tour was, how much? It was like three hours or more, right? Oh, initially, yeah. But mm-hmm. toward the end, it was yeah, just was a, a bathroom quick drive. break in it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know that that necessarily needed to stay, but it would have at least addressed an issue you know true i don't think they really they they really killed it until it was basically time for them to start working on toy story land so they kept it around a long time and most people still ignored it (laughs) that's true Mm -hmm. well i I think it it ended did it was it still going when lights motors action opened like an abbreviated version right until uh this is something i should have written down but i think it was going it was definitely going there when my wife and I started going to Disney together in um, 2008 and for a few years after that. Disney World. Sorry, Jason. Disney <laughs> oh, World. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Uh, all right. So let me rephrase the question, okay? Um, the Matterhorn, excuse me, the monorail it got a point for going more places and it went more places because it's got more places to be because from door to door is like five or six miles between Magic right. King and, and I Epcot. Think my argument so, at the time and, I, you know, still kind of a little, a little butthurt about it, but whatever, um, was that like... Can you say butthurt? Sorry, Jason. <laughs> sorry, Jason. <laughs> say elbow um, hurt. Elbow hurt. Uh, is that like as the resort's main conveyance, uh, transportation... It's simply doing the job that it's supposed to be doing, right? Right. The castle at Magic Kingdom got a point because it's doing its job better. It's bigger because there's Mm -hmm. more space, but it's actually functioning as the weenie the way it's supposed to. So that should deserve a point. But 
the fact that Disney World has 35 hotels or whatever the number is and Disneyland has three, you can't really give that a point because there's nothing to really genuinely compare right. it to, right? And it I'll doesn't even that. go yeah. to all the hotels. We, it just goes to – or and it doesn't go to all the parks. So if we're going to judge it right. as like a main transportation thing, then it's kind of failing at that. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So, so Eric, framing around that – are you saying that size matters and it's important to have a lot of size or you're saying it's important to utilize the right. size you have so the, the opposite argument for the same park. Let, let me make that here. So if you use the space appropriately, size is okay. You're, you're t- taking advantage of, of locations and, and, and you're using your space appropriately. That's saying, you know what? We don't need this. Uh, we don't need some of the backstage area here at Disneyland. Let's make that part of Galaxy's Edge. Like that's, I suppose there are arguments there, but but that's using the space you have, which Disneyland is great at. Now on the opposite side, Hollywood Studios for quite some time has suffered from that that Odyssey problem of we have space, right. so let's just leave it there. Now Odyssey is an exception because for quite some time it was completely empty. When I got to go in there for a food and wine festival thing, I went, wow, I barely remember this space from when I was a kid. Hollywood Studios has stagnant attractions, things that really aren't a draw anymore. And most of the day, they don't even function the way they were supposed to. Something like the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular. It's old. Mm. It's a giant amphitheater. Could provide space for any number of new attractions that are a little more modern in theme. But it's the same show it's been the entire time they still have actors coming on (laughs) presented as the stunt doubles for harrison ford and karen allen from a movie that came out 40 years ago these people are now in their 80s they've aged so well (laughs) it's insane but and, and you just accept it right but to your point they don't need to plus it up or make it the kingdom of the crystal skull and get uh the Transformers kid in there. You know what I mean? Like even that is, is dated, right? So to your point, they could take that venue, which is massive and is a people eater and turn it into something else. They own everything, you know, turn it into, <laughs> turn it into a set of Titanic for God's sake. I mean, it's Titanic just as relevant, show. right? <laughs> yeah. Titanic stunt show. They show Authentic you how it sinks. Action. They show you how <laughs> they have the scene with, Jack and Rose in the little car, you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So, uh, okay. So how about you, Dan? Mm-hmm. Give, me a, give me an example. Give me a point of where size matters or doesn't um, matter. I've kind of broken it down into, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a West Coaster, so I'm more kind of inclined to, like, appreciate an efficient use of space. And I'm mm-hmm. going to go in a kind of different direction. And it was literally the first thing I thought of is that Spaceship Earth is it's all attraction and it's giant. Okay. <laughs> it is doing what it's supposed to do as an icon. And it, it is, of course, it's it's it is ginormous. But every piece of that uh, building is used for the purpose that we as theme park goers want to see. Yeah, there's a thing at the bottom that sometimes gets updated and not many people interact with, but the possibility is mm-hmm. it's still there. And there's a there's a VIP lounge right. as well. Uh, on the other hand, you have Fantasyland in Disneyland, the east side of it, 
I'm not sorry. Not on the other hand, this is also a very impressive use of space. Uh, Disneyland, the east side of uh, Fantasyland, is also basically all attra- all attraction from uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland parts of it are on top of Mr. Toad, like the track. Yeah, right. right. It is, it's yeah. literally like it is just smushed together, and is such an efficient use of space to the point that like when you see the um the blueprints the track layout and you see how like stacked mm-hmm. on top of everything is it's like whoa and you, mm-hmm. you don't even feel it when you're you know what i mean right yeah you don't and it's similarly autopia and monorail and finding nemo that's all one inner looping right well system, we'll get right? to the autopia but monorail but... <laughs> well I, but yeah, it I almost feel, enhances the space. Yeah. Well, right. I feel like uh, the Utopia, and we could get to this later if you want, but Utopia still existing at Disneyland is the criminal. Well, Utopia existing in Tomorrowland I, is I criminal. I would say it existing at all at that it, that resort. Because it's a, it's a go-kart ride, basically, right? I mean, yeah, you right. have like Osimo right. or whatever he's called, and you th- there's an attempt to have like talking cars and stuff. It's pretty, but this is a this is a tiny park. This is a giant attraction. Mm-hmm. Why in 2020 those cars are not electric is beyond me. That's Tomorrowland. <laughs> if you can still drive a car, but it's electric car, yeah, that's that Tomorrowland. Would maybe that would maybe resolve the issue for me. Have the electric cars maybe. The car talks to you or something. I mean, it could be, it could be cheesy, but it it still needs to get fixed. Right, right. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, unrelated. But so those are some good examples of of the maximizing of the right. space you have, right? Um, whereas at Disney World, we're not maximizing the space we have. In fact, we're sort of wasting the mm-hmm. space we have because there's so much of it that you can have a figment ride. That is subpar and is never crowded because there's so and many other things to do. It's not even using all of the available space, right? I mean, they there's there's parts of that right. building that are still the way they were when it was actually a good attraction. But at least but from my DVC lounge, come on, Dan. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. By the way, I've used that DVC lounge many times. You can get rid of the attraction, <laughs> but you know, going going back to. So this is an example of poor use of space. We talked about it on the Space Mountain episode. And again, this is a Tomorrowland problem. But you've got the Starcade. You've got the Captain EO Theater. You've got the Space Mountain stuff largely mm-hmm. unused, right? And you're seeing previews for Pixar films or, or some kind of Star Wars thing. It's just it, it's a waste of space. Yeah. Right? Well, and going back to something that Eric mentioned about how like just kind of leaving stuff. I feel like my first mm-hmm. impression going to Disney World from Disneyland, it was actually literally the next day because I'm insane, um, was... And let's clarify. You were at right. Disneyland one day. You were at the Magic True. Kingdom the next day. And when I came back okay, from Disney World that same trip, you and I went to Disneyland the, the, that very night. Anyway. Living the dream. I was so <laughs> jealous. I was so jealous that you had gone to Disney yeah. World. But at the time, I'm like, nobody yeah. wants to go there. You've got Disneyland. Right. Why would you want to go there? Oh, and by the way, is there anyone on the planet who did not think that Spaceship Earth was Epcot? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That Epcot was right. in Spaceship Earth. Well, like, that was and the then, whole but thing. But they had to right? move it out because it just got too big. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, but I remember, like, <laughs> yeah. seeing things like the Odyssey and th- and just feeling like, okay, so there's so much space here and there's so much stuff that they can just leave this thing. And the I, I feel like their assumption was just like, well, I'll just go do this other thing over there because there's just so much stuff to do, which feels kind of just like a slap in the face, really. It's just like, you're okay, we get it. You have a lot of stuff, but this is still closed. This is still a waste. Like, I don't know. It To me, the, the very yeah. first time experiencing that phenomenon it's just like, really? We're doing this here? I thought this was supposed to be like the best use of everything. And if, if they had fired on all cylinders right. through – if Disney World fired on all cylinders to the extent that Disneyland has to, it would we wouldn't even have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. If if they took the attention to detail that they have at Disneyland right. and applied it to Disney World, then hands right. down, but we already does, know the Disneyland, answer. At Disneyland, they right? have to do it. At Disney World, eh, if they feel like it, they, they do. And when they do, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's keep it on track. So, uh, Eric, Eric, talk to me about Phantasmic. How do you feel oh, about Phantasmic. that? Well, I'm sure we're going to do an entire show on this someday since we have we two yes. kind of mostly similar shows on Two different coasts. But right now, quick preview of, of the show we're going to do someday, probably. Fantasmic uh, at Hollywood Studios is in a giant amphitheater, which is quite a bit bigger and more manufactured than the, the area that, uh, that it's performed in at Disneyland. At Disneyland, it's the Rivers of America. It's in this space that was already there. You know, we, we, we put a show in it, which is part of its charm. In Disney World, they built a 50-foot mountain in the middle of the stage. It includes a giant moat mm-hmm. that holds 1.9 million gallons of water. If you're wondering how much 1.9 million gallons of water is, that's nearly 1 million two-gallon bottles of milk, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's okay. a fact for you. Good luck finding right, those right exactly. now. <laughs> now, if you're more practical, that's enough volume to paint the entire White House 3,333 times. Yeah, wow. the White House. Taryn will love this episode. <laughs> Um, if the water was paint, of course, you know, you don't want to paint a house of with course. water. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Water-based paint. Y- yes. Okay. True. True. And you also don't want to try the show in paint. <laughs> like don't fill that moat with paint. That'll, okay. that'll be a problem. Anyway. Uh, oh, that would be very, rough. very similar show to the Disneyland version. It would be. Imagine Eric, if the, if the paint was <laughs> white in the moat. And you could project all kinds of stuff on it. Like a screen, you could project water just, onto it. <laughs> just spraying white paint into the air. Wow, the projections would really yeah. be crisp then. Is the they paint sure would. in this amphitheater wide enough and pre- reflective <laughs> enough? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, uh, go yeah, ahead, Eric. Yeah. Anyway, my, my whole point is uh, a lot of people would argue that Disneyland has more charm because it's in an existing space doesn't matter that you're crowding mm-hmm. around and cramming into roadways and, and roped off areas and wishing you could get back up in front of the Disney gallery. It's still, mm-hmm. it, it's, it has more, more charm to it than a giant amphitheater that we built so that we could, you know, roll Steamboat Willie's boat through. Right. My takeaway on that, and I think we're saying the same thing, is you were on Tom yes. Sawyer's Island yes. slash Pirate's Lair. And you were playing that day and you were on that little area. And then later on that night, that whole thing comes alive and it feels so much more alive because of that. I think that's a great, it transforms point. Yeah. 
So what you're saying is that size, having a bigger amphitheater doesn't make a thing better. In fact, using the existing space that you played on earlier in the day makes it better because it's using what you have. I think that's a general Disneyland compliment is they take space that's there. They realize they have very little space and somehow it forces them to become more imaginative and and find ways to use the space creatively. Yeah, I remember remember when it was actually the day Fantasmic opened. ish i was on tom sawyer's island during the day and i was i knew there was going to be a dragon I, you know I, I it was keeping up with like i had my subscription to disney magazine so i knew it was going to be happening uh, <laughs> and i just remember being on the island and trying to think okay a dragon's going to come out of here and that it's just the 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 idea that you can go to this thing and kind of fig, like get excited about oh my god how are they going to do this and then seeing them actually mm-hmm. do it and go I was just there playing checkers which you can't do anymore and right. eating an totally. apple with my friend right. and now it's like it's this explosion of magic and another point that Eric brought up that I think not a lot of people are they don't I don't think understand about. The, what's really charming about Disneyland is all of those people crowding together and it feeling like an Im- not anymore <laughs> yeah, that's right. and it feeling <laughs> like an impossible situation and like you know it used to be you had to wait if you wanted to, to be in the front center which you know, I might have been that person uh, you, you would need to be there like three hours ahead of time at least. At least. I saw people right. lining up at lunchtime. And it became this like communal thing. People would watch each other's space. And like the the, the seeming mm-hmm. impossibility of it was part of the fun. And figuring out how do I get out of here right. in a timely manner? Well, you go through parts of the Caribbean. A little pro tip. But anyway, like it's that that's not a, that's not a negative at all for I, I think for most Disneyland fans. It's like, yes, I am part of this. Right. We're in this together. This is awesome. For sure. Um, Eric, have you ever been to Missouri? Yes. Oh, darn it. <laughs> so I was going to try to throw some fun facts at Well, you have because you've been on Tom Sawyer's Island, which was officially annexed by the state of Missouri. So anybody who has not been to Missouri or says they haven't, but they've been on Tom Sawyer's Island, they have been That's been everyone's favorite segment. Jimmy asked someone if they've been to Missouri. <laughs> Join us next week. Uh, yeah, Bye. fantastic. Uh, that episode is going to be real short. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I think we might have just had it. Um, and also, there's no Pocahontas in Disneyland's Fantasmic. So, point for Fantasmic. Not to harp on this, but the fact that you, it, you they use the Mark Twain as Steamboat Willie. Rather or not exactly. Rather than right. you know, yeah, he's just a boat that some you know some actor is going to fall off off of in a video. Um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> like it hits the notes, but it's like this is it's just more special there, you know. Right. All right. What do you got, Dan? You have another example of space. I have. Oh, oh yes. Um, I think I've said before, and the more I think about it, the more it really bothers me that you cannot get from Star Wars land to any of the north parts of the park. And in a park where, Mm. you know, space is, you know, at a premium and you're trying to avoid, you're trying to get traffic flow going really well. Toontown itself is currently a complete, it's it's a dead end. It's a dead end, yeah. Which is fine because no one goes there right now. But (laughs) we need to assume a time when they actually want people to go there. 
it, they could they could put a pa- it's right there they can put a pathway <laughs> and literally i know right we've there. been through this before it's it's right there and there's yeah. a point where like i know the theming is going to be an issue but like we can figure out a way or you know at the very least there's a there's a point where you kind of got to say look this is a theme park you have the millennium falcon like next to you know uh, big thunder mountain thunder like, mountain yeah yeah we're the we get it. Like, <laughs> we're- hey, at Hollywood Studios, it does go directly from one, one of the exits from Galaxy's Edge goes into Toy Story Land, and it right. has it's, makes, it's a little jarring. It makes no sense. It has no transition whatsoever. There's a sound transition, and obviously, there's, there's you know there's stuff. But I'm I'm in Star Wars Land, and then I'm walking in Andy's footprint within like ten feet. Like, right. it's, just, it's a theme park. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a 20-foot tall Jesse there. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think what you lose in having a, a maybe not so great transition from Toontown to Star Wars Land or back and forth is you 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 completely make up for it with the transition, the beautiful transition from uh, Critter Country to Star Wars Land. Absolutely. I, it is uh, the only amazing. way to enter that land as far as I'm totally. concerned. Totally. Another transition, which we're off topic, but another wonderful transition is the one into Toontown. That reveal is phenomenal because you're coming under the tunnel and you're coming. That's a, right. that's a phenomenal reveal. But while you're at it, extend it to Galaxy's Edge. I think when Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opens there, I think they're going to have to do something because it'll just be oh, a total bottleneck. Absolutely. All right. Um, how about you, Eric? Give me another example. Uh, let's stick with the theme of uh, Disneyland makes something happen with small space. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so when it, when uh, Disneyland uh, created the Bengal Barbecue in 1990, it uh, introduced a great food option into the middle mm-hmm. of a crowded Adventureland. You could have a uh, dinner and a show at the Tahitian Terra- Terrace still. You could also go to Aladdin's Oasis not too long after, 1993. Uh, but that if you really want that authentic Adventureland bazaar uh, type experience of walking up, grabbing a uh, stick and eating meat off of it, you can do that at Bengal Barbecue. Mm-hmm. So uh, great space, very popular option, but it created that it, it created more of a bottleneck. There, there are people standing around eating, and that persisted until my first few years going to Disneyland, which really wasn't all that long ago, just about five years ago. So you can see those bottlenecks there. I mean, Dan, do you do you recall what what it was, oh, it was what it was like? It was terrible. And I to, to that point, when they changed Swiss Family Treehouse and put in the, uh, the Phil Collins the the Phil Collins Nightmare that I that we call Tarzan. Spoilers: I don't like Phil Collins at all. Um, the the entrance being right in the middle of that very bottleneck was baffling. It's like, you really, what are you doing? Why are you, why is this here? <laughs> right. But yeah. So so my point being, they they, they had that really tight space. Mm-hmm. So just a few years ago, they they took they they took that imagineering ingenuity and said, you know what, we need to open this space up. They closed a shop. Mm-hmm. Huh? They closed a retail location and put a little area with some really well themed tables and it's 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 quiet, you know, really good use of the theme. Um and it gives people a place to go off to the side and stand around some standing tables or sit down for a little bit and eat your your meat on a stick and enjoy times out of the sun. Mm-hmm. 
they actually did that. They, they, they eliminated retail space to make the area better. Mm-hmm. Maybe that means that it trans, it, maybe it translates into more sales at Bengal barbecue. Sure. I don't know, but, um, Still, you would never think Disney would close a place that sold something. Well, they sell um, meat. Disney. Well, <laughs> you can't yeah, wear the meat, the meat unless you're like right. Bjork. So you're saying that Bengal Barbecue exists. They have a store. They close the store so that people can sit. Correct. Okay, got it. Thanks. Well, and so, it gets rid of so, the bottle. So we're, we're getting to the right. point. Right. So that's that's Disneyland ingenuity taking a small space and saying let's make this let's make the best out of it. The Opposite, we've got Adventureland in Disney World. Again, this could be an adventure part of an Adventureland episode. Yep. I'm sure we'll get yes, to we that will. someday. Um, Disney World took a really interesting courtyard in between Jungle Cruise and in front of the Enchanted Tiki Room, and they said, "You know what? We've got enough space here. Let's put yet another spinner ride, right? And create more." That's true. Nuts. That is a very tight area. Have you ever done the Pirates Adventure, Eric? No, I have not. For those of you listening who ever go to Disney World, one of the things that I really enjoy about Disney World and the use of its space is there are two games that you can play. There's one called Pirate's Adventure, where it's a little little shack that um, I don't know if you know if you can kind of envision it used to be a French fry store or the Westward Ho, I think it was, or is that my <laughs> the old McDonald's? The old McDonald's. Um, and there's a there's a there's a kiosk in there, and you you. Go to the kiosk and you flash your magic band or whatever, and they give you a map. And you have to go with, there's five different adventures, and you take the map and you follow it through Adventureland and you tap your, your magic band on these little icons throughout the land and something happens. Like mm-hmm. you click on one thing and there's a cannon fire that goes off and then a, a bell rings on the opposite side because it just got hit by the cannon. Or there's a buried pirate in in the waterway around the Swiss family treehouse, And this pirate comes up from, you know, this pirate skeleton comes up from out of the ground. And once you complete your adventure, you go back, you complete two of them, you get a fast pass for pirate or for pirates. Yeah. I think and we went over this in the Tiki room episode, but we didn't go over the we? second one they were talking about. The, the second one is the, uh, sorcerers. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of Disney's answer to Harry Potter. Mm. So it's, it's Merlin and the sorcerer thing throughout the entire park. And there's uh, 80 to a hundred different cards you can collect and, and you can use those cards and they have uh, like QR code type things on them. And as you scan those different things happen and you, you battle different, uh, villains and that kind of thing. It's, it's really great because there is so much space, but there's so many people. It's a way to have an adventure your own kind of personal attraction mm-hmm. within that space. And it's, it's a, it's a wonderful use of that space. I think, I, and, and it's a really cool yeah, idea. And I yeah. remember Jimmy, when we, we think we discovered that like the last day of one of the trips that mm-hmm. we went on. And yeah. I th- remember both of us having this moment where we were like, they no, didn't, it have doesn't, to do doesn't give them anything. Yeah. There's no cost benefit at all. I mean, yeah, it's just we, something to do. We bought a satchel for our, our cards, of course, but we did buy the satchel. <laughs> yes, but it's they, they going back. It's like the inverse of the the Odyssey restaurant thing. It's like right. they absolutely did not need to do this. I mean, aside from the fact they're not making money from it, it's like right. Just, but they did, and that's it's awesome. Yeah, and I think at the time yeah, it's directing you to a corner behind yeah. pirates, like beyond where the strollers sit. Exactly. You know, that's my only brush up with with that was my wife and I were kind of chilling off to the side one day and 
this kid came up and waved, you know, waved a thing at a, at a different thing and a cannon went mm-hmm. off. And we, while we were waiting there for, you know, another 10 minutes, somebody else came up and they're like, where is it? We're like, it's over here. <laughs> right. Yeah. That might've been me. Um, yeah. So that, that's, this is a little nice little tangent, but it's, it's, that's a really, really nice use of space. And to Dan's point, they don't have to do it, but in, uh, I, I recommend it at the time. If you did all five adventures, you could get a fast pass for anything. I don't know if that's that changed, was our but... experience at least. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else from you, Dan? Um, I I find the Philhar magic in DCA, also known as California, Disney California Adventure. I yes. I find it shameful that they have only that one screen, and meanwhile they have that giant building that where Regis Philbin himself was stored, mm-hmm. where they would right. have. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire play it play it yeah. which i don't i don't have the numbers but i remember one night doing an obsessive like google image search and looking at the buildings that building is giant and mm-hmm. the building that muppet the muppets uh vision. show muppet vision i am not having a good relationship with the english language today um <laughs> that first of all that should still be there and but right. second like why take this giant this thing that that exists to be this giant presentational thing and is mm-hmm. brilliant i i love mickey's philhar magic at disney I world agree. because of the presentational element it's like it's an uncovering of all the things they can do right with this giant thing that is the show that's the narrative arc of the show right and then you put it in this tiny theater where you can do none of that it's like it's mm-hmm. almost like they don't even know what sometimes they don't even know what people like about the things that they like. You know, they they could, I feel like they they could do so well just like sitting down with some some, you know, of the nerdy fans with, the, you know, a, a good head on their shoulders and say, like, what do you like about this? Like, we know mm-hmm. what, what we think you like, but. What do you actually like? And frozen. I think that they would, well, yeah, yeah. More, as, more frozen. Right, aside yeah. from like, let's get frozen in everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's show previews at the Michael Jackson Theater. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, eh, come on, guys. You, I've seen you do better. You can do better. We want you to do Do you do think better. it would be super distasteful if they showed previews of Leaving Neverland in that theater? <laughs> 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 too soon, Jimmy, too soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, all right. So the elephant in the room here is um, we talked, alluded a little bit to it on the monorail conversation, but going from place to place. Mm. Eric, do you want to speak mm. on that? Yeah. So it, this is one of those things when when people ask me and my wife which which one should we go to because we we've we've been to both coasts mm-hmm. plenty of times over the last few years. Um, we well, I I work for right. a travel planner, so we, this yep. question comes up: um, Where should we go? And we say, well, how long do you have? What kind mm-hmm. of experience do you want? It's if you have the choice between coasts, it really depends on what kind of vacation you want. The simple answer is: you can walk from anywhere in Disneyland Resort to right. anywhere in minutes, including Captain Kidd's buffet. If, if, in minutes, That's yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, if you can, I mean, you can go from any of the good neighbor hotels outside of Disneyland. You can walk to Disneyland. Many people do. Sure. They've got shuttles and, and all of that, but a lot of, a lot of space is, is traversable without a problem. 
we we marveled at that the first time we went to Disneyland. Like, oh no, we've got reservations at Blue Bayou and we're still mm-hmm. in the hotel. And suddenly we were right. at the Blue Bayou. Because right. we're used to Disney World where you need to give yourself yep. an hour and a half to yeah. get True. anywhere. Well, there's also, you can break the bubble really easily at Disneyland. And I, I know I've brought this up before. I, I'm somebody who I need to have the bubble broken occasionally in order to mm-hmm. appreciate the bubble when I go back to it. And right. I know after three days at Disney World, I'm done hearing the Cards Marching song. I know, I don't need to see Olaf. I'm, I just, I just need a break. I just, I still love all of them, including Josh Gad very, very much, but Mm -hmm. I need a, I need, I need a break and this isn't, please get me out. (laughs) Yeah. So the point of the show is, which is better, right? And, you know, maybe we'll never get to that answer, but, um, you know, depending on what you want, I'm an, I'm an escapist. Mm -hmm. Like I love to escape. So for me, Disney world's great. I love the bubble, but I do love the bubble and, but at the same time, I also love being able to be on on a fast pass for Soren five minutes later, being on my fast pass for pirates. Mm. Right. So there's a benefit to size in that case. You can do more in a shorter period of time. And I think going back to maximizing space, if you look at the attractions number, the number of attractions or number of wait times at the Disneyland resort, it's not far off from the number of attractions at Mm -hmm. Disney world. Like you can do roughly the same amount of stuff in, you know, one hundredth of the size, and right? I think I could be wrong and I'm sure it'll be past show corrections if I am, but I think Disneyland yes, Resort as a whole has more actual attractions than Disney World as a whole. I think you're right. And I'd started doing the math before but now the apps won't let me see things because it's closed. But Pirate but, but yeah. Peter Pan still has a forty five minute wait. It's Peter. Yeah. And the, and the flight of passage is still 90 minutes. Uh, good. All right. So any, any more, you've got a couple more Dan or, um, I do, but I think if you want to get to like, when does it like, how do we deal with it on the show? Um, just, just some honorable mentions. Indiana Jones's queue is a great use of space. Obviously they went outside the berm. I think any of those on the South side where you, you are, they, they, by necessity, they need to get you outside of the berm. The, it's, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland is not official yet because we haven't touched it. I think mm-hmm. a better ride than the one. I know this is a hot take, guys. Um, right. <laughs> I think it's Whoa. a better ride at Disneyland. What is there a speed a ramp World. in it or something? <laughs> and part of what <laughs> makes it better is that it needs it. It has to get from inside of a theme park to outside of a theme park. So they're like, I don't know, mm. waterfalls. <laughs> so, right. So it, I, <laughs> I don't know that that was like, okay, and then we need to have a bayou scene and we need to have this. It was more like, how do we solve this problem? Right. Same thing right. with the Haunted Mansion, yeah. like we talked about, which does have a speed ramp, which is awesome. Yes. Um, um, we will not relitigate that on this episode, <laughs> but it'll happen at some point. So in the, the, to your point, I think, that we have all this space at Disneyland with the pirates because we got to get from here to here. We have all this mm-hmm. space. What do we do with it? And so they filled that space versus... So I guess to answer your question, if we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a longer attraction at Disneyland, a park that has yeah. less space than the Magic Kingdom, but the Pirates mm-hmm. at Magic Kingdom is a shorter ride, right? 
So could we, in moving forward, could we argue that the fact that Disneyland's ride is longer, despite the fact that it has, it's in a smaller park, does that count as a point? I think it does. In that particular case, I think so. It's a 15-minute boat ride. Right. Like, what, what other rides in any Disney park are 15 minutes anymore? Yeah. And if we're going to, to to continue that point, Disney World has the space and yet doesn't have a longer ride that would by in, inversely detract from the, that ride because it's it has the room to move, but it didn't take advantage of it. It didn't have the problem to solve. And so, yeah. again, they didn't right. go and talk to the nerds and say... What do you, what is this experience to you? And I feel like if they had done that, a lot of them would be like, oh, you go from a bayou to a bunch of caves for some reason, but it's awesome. Another very short episode to come. (laughs) (laughs) We'll pretend this never happened. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then uh, let me see. I was going to say about, uh, we talked about pirates. Um, The, 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 many adventures of Winnie the Pooh at Disneyland is a bigger ride with more capacity we we argued and we said it has more capacity in a smaller park it's got a point for that right right but I so think it's along the, the same lines i think in that case though um it was given a bigger space so it would be foolish for them not to use it right true so it's yeah. sort of like that the argument that i've made a few times in some sense of like like for example the the variety of restaurants at grand floridian didn't get a point uh, right because of course it, it should it's giant like if if it didn't mm-hmm. have more variety then they it would it would have been them failing we're not gonna i'm not gonna give them a point for just doing what they should do right right but um it did get points for certain details about that mm-hmm. <laughs> so same thing i think for at least for me it happens with winnie the pooh at disneyland it's like okay i get that we're gonna give it a point for more capacity because the the cars are bigger but if we're going to say it it is more impressive because the building is bigger and therefore it has more capacity it's like well they were just given a huge building and mm-hmm. we're at the other one and it's like they had a, a tiny space so it's 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 one of those it's not winnie the pooh's fault kind of situations i think Okay, we got to get past that. Um, <laughs> I want so, it to be a T-shirt. That's all I want. <laughs> it's not something's fault. Yeah. All right, Eric. Any final thoughts? I can really only say that uh, this is a doozy of a first official episode. I, I mean, I, I, I don't okay. know that I've necessarily gotten to uh, to a decision point yet because, in some cases, size is is important. Look at, look at the teacups. Um, mm-hmm. pretty, a pretty similar mm-hmm. footprint in Disney world. You can mm-hmm. fit everybody. You, you can fit the whole family in the cup, Disneyland. I, I love it. The, the lights are trippy The the two minutes of music looping over and over again is great, but can you get two girls in one cup? <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. Please continue. Uh, uh, this, um, but yeah, I, I think there are some cases where where it, it is important to talk about that, and maybe maybe it's because we've been trying to give some extra points to Disneyland at times and say, "Hey, Winnie the Pooh is a little bit better because it it it's a smaller park and everything's smaller, but they've got a bigger ride." 
I, I guess, is that almost a gimme to say it's the opposite? I, but that's a vital component. I thought that was a valid argument to say you can fit more people right. on this ride and it's longer. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the catalyst for this conversation. But um, I think, Eric, you wanted to say something about Mickey Mouse. But before you do, we did the Grand Floridian v. Grand Californian. We did the Disneyland Hotel v. The Contemporary, right? Because they kind of meet the same criteria. What is Paradise Pier Hotel v. at Disney World? Mm. <laughs> All of the all-stars combined? I, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right. All-star v. Paradise Pier. So do we do, do, anyway. we do one against the other? Do I like a, a March Madness head, like head-to-head? Ooh, or? like a bracket? Yeah. We could, and the other, the other argument might be uh, Swan and Dolphin because they're not owned by Disney. And they are more like well, a regular quote-unquote hotel. Okay. Right. Swan and Dolphin versus the Anaheim Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we could go. this could be the longest yes let's just keep we'll do days in the all-stars because <laughs> yeah. there's there's uh, 28 whatever hotels at disney world that are disney owned so yeah um, all-star versus... sports v yes <laughs> yes days in v all-star okay, so what takes on gator world if we're gonna do this <laughs> mm. well the whole disneyland resort Not... or disney world resort right? <laughs> well that's the same coast Too soon? LA Knott's Berry Knott's Berry Farm versus Gator World. Knott's Berry Farm v Gator World. <laughs> okay. Uh what about Mickey Mouse? Uh, Mickey Mouse. All right. Here's here's a this has nothing to do with the parks but kind of has some things to do with the parks, I guess. I I, I don't know. So the mouse himself uh size does not matter when it comes to Mickey Mouse. This is a a controversial topic. It's been all over the Diz Twitter, I I imagine. I I don't know. Um We've mm-hmm. all heard the story. Blaine Gibson sculpted the partner statue with a very specific film in mind, wherein Walt indicated how tall he thought Mickey Mouse was in real life. Mm-hmm. Why do we accept a six-foot-tall <laughs> gargantuan Mickey Mouse in meet-and-greets where he frightens our children and in parades where he's far enough away that the same children can wave safely and say, Oh, he looked at me. How big is Mickey? It doesn't matter. Uh, yes, you're right. I've never seen a six foot tall Mickey. I don't know how tall I he is. I take your word for it. <laughs> I can't get close I, to him. I'm terrified. I'm, I'm sure there's yeah. I'm sure there's an actual specification. But that is a good point. Yes. Like, why is he human size? I think that's a, that's a very annual pass holder. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yes, it the is. Original dwarves. Stay that they tuned. Had in uh, it, the, the original oh, dwarf right. costumes where they. They were taller than than Cinderella or what Snow White. Snow White yeah. True. Well, that's the marble, the the marble statues at uh, the well. Too. Well, that, they're all the same but, height. But, I mean, right. the, the dwarf costumes for a while they had you know the, their their face was in the spoiler alert cast members midsection. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but wow. like Winnie the Pooh also. Oh yeah, yeah, because he had the honey pot on top. Yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, good. So it it sounds like we are no further along than we were an hour ago. Well, but um, I, for, Okay, if we can salvage something like for going forward with this thing, have we – do we have anything there? I mean like, you, like you've mentioned before, the um, Trader Joe's versus uh, Super Walmart. Super right? Walmart, yeah. Is there – 
is is there any hard and fast thing there or do we just like just is it like we just handicap Disneyland when they make good use of size or handicap you know or or punish for lack of a better term Disney World when they're just wasting space Right. Yeah, I, I think we've set some precedents here, and I think it'll come it'll come organically when we continue yeah, the discussion. But to, to Dan's point, back in the uh, intro episode, I, I basically when people ask me which is better, I say which is better, Trader Joe's or Super Walmart, right? And and I I don't think that we're going to be able to come up with a definitive answer, mm-hmm. but it's the same argument as the Walt touched it argument. It's it's really hard to argue. If you're from Southern California and grew up there, it's, Disneyland is just so special, and it'll never be less than Disney World. Or it'll, yeah, it'll never be less than. It's always going to be Disney World, right? Even if Disney World technically has the better thing. Exactly, and and again, the point of the show that we're we're discussing, it's all subjective. It's all opinion. It's all emotion. So the point of the show is to try to be more objective with with these arguments and. I don't think that the premise of Disney World being bigger makes it better, right? The same premise of Super Walmart and Trader Joe's. It doesn't make it better because it's bigger and has more stuff. But these individual traits and characteristics and use of space or or misuse of space, mm-hmm. right, um, will give one an edge over the other. So I think we continue down that path, and I think we can use some of this as a framework for as we dis- start to discuss next episodes and and next hotels and next lands like you know we'll we'll at some point we'll have a an a, an episode about Pixar Pier mm. and or the area where the Zephyr is right mm-hmm. so when we find an equivalent land or something like that the Zephyr being in existence will be a detriment to it because you don't have enough space. And so you're not maximizing the use of it. Right. Well, and that whole, we're going to make a carnival theme to a carnival thing is a line right. that should have never been crossed. And I'm afraid Agreed. to say that that genie might just be out of the bottle at this point. Mixing metaphors. Right. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts, Eric? No. <laughs> well, all right. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Hopefully we made some good points. We gave some thought-provoking insights, and we will continue the show moving forward in season two with Eric, I guess, at least for one more episode. (laughs) That's about as committal as he is. Um, But please listen to our other shows on Ears Up Podcast Network. That's Ears Up, Ears Up In-Depth, Very Annual Pass Holders, Cash Grab. Uh, That's the Supreme Resort Presents Cash Grab. Banter, best star in Bantha Mill. And this show, The Supreme Resort, please contact us, email us at jimmy at earsup-podcast.com, dan at earsup-podcast.com, and eric e. Johnson at, at concierge.com. E. Johnson at concierge. And please also follow Jeremy at spectro underscore radio for both Twitter and Instagram. He'll always be a part of the show. I think we'll have him back at some point, I'm sure. Um, anyway, in the meantime, stay safe, be good to each other, and we'll see you on the next show.